Good morning. It's my privilege again to read God's word to you. I'll be reading from the LSB, beginning to feel like Nehemiah. How many of you considered what a privilege and an honor it is to read the word of God to his people on the Lord's Day? It's, it's indeed a privilege. We'll be reading from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. The word which Isaiah, the son of Amos, beheld concerning Judah and Jerusalem. Now it will be that in the last days, the mountain of the house of Yahweh will be established as the head of the mountains and will be lifted up above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. And many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may instruct us from his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion the law will go forth and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. And he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. Praise the Lord, brother. Thank you. Good morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we're humbly coming before you today, Lord, thankful for the blood of the cross. Lord, we thank you for the gift of Jesus, your son. He's the way. Today, we thank you for your word that reveals you and your will. Lord, we pray by your spirit You would bring it to life, Lord, because there's nothing in us that would do that. Only you can do that. And we submit to that. And Lord, we're so grateful that you even allow us to be part of what you're doing. And today I pray that that resolve is strengthened. In Christ's name, amen. In Proverbs 24... The wise man Solomon imparts the wisdom of God's word from God's throne to the reader. He says, by wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it's established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. From one end of scripture to another, our great God has been pointing to the construction of a great house, so to speak, decreed by him before creation to be the eternal dwelling place for his great name. It's a house filled with pleasant and precious riches, scripture says, a house with its foundation built and founded on solid rock. Its cornerstone is chosen, precious, Costly even. His name is Jesus Christ. Every other stone used in the construction of this great house for God's name is aligned to this cornerstone. Every stone placed, whether it be a sapphire or a sardonyx or jacinth or amethyst, top to bottom, has been made alive by the Spirit of God. These aren't dead stones. These are living stones, alive by the Spirit of God. About this household, Scripture says, nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The glory of the nations, the coastlands, even will come into this house. 
In fact, God is shaking the nations even now to fill his house with great glory. This house is being built up even as we sit here this morning as a spiritual house for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. And you and I, everyone who's repented of our sin and trusted in the cleansing blood of Christ are its living stones. Brilliantly shining the light of Christ. Us here in this room, along with the faithful of all time, all of us are being built up into a complete spiritual house for his great name. It's called the household of God. This morning, as we look to God's living word, we see the high mountain of the house of the, the Lord, the city on a hill, giving its light, instruction from God's word to the nations, to Hayden, to Coeur d'Alene, to North Idaho and Montana, the coastlines of Washington, even, even California, <laughs> at Costco and the school district and at the fair. And in your classroom, to your homeschool kids, and at your Thanksgiving table, and on your vacation. And this morning we need to pause to recognize and remember of the household of faith. Your everyday purpose is this. God's word to the world. I wonder if you've ever asked some of those hard questions. What am I for? What's God want me to do with my life anyway? I'm not special. I don't have a lot to offer. I'm too old to be useful in ministry. I'm not a pastor or a missionary. I got to go to work. What am I supposed to do with all the teaching that comes out of this pulpit anyway? This morning we're going to see that if you have the Spirit... And if you have the word of God and you're breathing, you have a purpose, a relevant purpose in God's household. In our passage this morning, maybe turn to Isaiah 2. The prophet Isaiah was prophesying against the house of Israel who also had a purpose. A covenant nation chosen out of the peoples of the world to carry his glory throughout the earth. And to, and to be a channel of blessing to the nations. And, and glory and blessings that God would cause to come about as the plan for their future unfolds. Yet in the context of our passage, in the first chapter of Isaiah, in the days of Uzziah and Jotham and Ahaz and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, Isaiah the son of Amos brings indictments against the covenant-breaking nation of God's purpose. And he proclaims curses against them, curses outlined in their covenant documentation, easily seen in Deuteronomy. Blessings for obedience, for sure. Curses against them for their disobedience, outlined under this, the covenant at Sinai. Isaiah was one of many prophets God sent over the centuries to warn the covenant-breaking nation of curses and coming judgment for their disobedience, and at the same time, to proclaim salvation for the faithful. That's the pattern you can see clear through Scripture. And by, by the way, in our New Testaments, uh, just as a side note, interestingly enough, the, the book of Isaiah is the most quoted Old Testament writing. My Logos program says it's quoted over 400 times. Seems like Isaiah is vital for our good understanding of what we're reading in our New Testaments. Please hear that truth this morning. Isaiah 1, God's indictments against this nation under the Mosaic Covenant start as all of creation is called to witness against Israel for breaking covenant. Among other things, he says, listen, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord speaks. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have revolted against me. 
In chapter 1, he calls them a sinful nation. People heavy with iniquity. Sons who act corruptly. He proclaims that their whole head is sick. They're estranged from God, the text says. In fact, Isaiah actually proclaims that unless God had left a few survivors, a, a faithful remnant, Romans 9 talks about, he says that they would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, he actually calls those people Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know that can't be good. Isaiah called it like it was, and by his word, we know that Israel had become a harlot. And over the centuries, he disciplined them by the armies of sinful nations, and he bloodied them through captivities, and their ultimate judgment was on the way. Yet with salvation on its heels. In his indictment in chapter 1, he says to them, For you will be like an oak whose leaf fades away, or as a garden that has no water. The strong man will become tender. His work will also a spark. Thus they shall both burn together, and there will be none to quench them. That's a heavy indictment. Ultimately, the house of Israel would be left desolate, and the blood of the prophets and wise men would be on their shoulders. Yet the promise still stands. And, and God gives hope, hope of his glory and hope of his blessing. Because we know from scripture that Abraham's promise pointed to a Messiah, right? A seed, the Christ, one who would come to do God's will, yet take away the covenant curse, absorbing the wrath of God. One who would bring in times and seasons of refreshment from the presence of the Lord. A, a spiritual house was to be built. And God's people, Israel, would enter into his rest through repentance and faith. Let's look at Isaiah 2.1. As we know, there was a Chains of covenant prophesied in the Old Testament. Remember from Jeremiah and Ezekiel, the, the Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, current to Isaiah's time, would come to an end. It would see its last days. And the Old Covenant was seeing its last days. And as that was happening, the New Covenant would come into its fullness. A New Covenant where God writes his, his, his law on hearts instead of tablets of stone. A new covenant where sin is put away as far as the east is from the west through, through the once for all sacrifice of the Lamb of God. Have you trusted that sacrifice this morning? A new covenant where consciences are cleansed and where Israel of the Spirit now, as Jews repent and believe the gospel, will be freed from the curses outlined in the old. A new covenant where you and I, literally, you and I, recipients of the blessing promised through Abraham, Gentiles, are grafted in to the cultivated root of Israel. And we become branches bearing fruit. More on that later. By the way, guys, the book of Hebrews is all about the transition from this old covenant to the new. It's a really good book to study and study and study so you understand your Bible. Let's look back to Isaiah 2.1 now. The word of, the, of Isaiah which... Excuse me, the word of Isaiah, the son of Amos, concerning Judah and Jerusalem. I want to pause for a minute here just to see this important truth, guys, that as Isaiah looked forward to the end of the Old Covenant, we need to keep in mind that salvation is of the Jews. Even our salvation is based on the promise to Abraham, and, and it's an outworking of, of their ultimately spiritual fulfillment uh, uh, think in terms of Nicodemus and Jesus, that, that by grace you and I are beneficiaries in their program. 
we get the privilege. Remember from Romans 1, Paul writes and says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. When Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman in John 4, again, Jesus tells her, You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Salvation is of the Jews, Jesus tells her. Haggai, beautiful, when he writes in 2, 6 through 9, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more in a little while, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea, and also the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and they will come with the wealth of nations, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house will be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this, and, and in this place I will give peace. Peace, declares the Lord. Haggai looked forward to the household of God being built brilliant with the treasures of the souls of all the nations. Back to verse 2 in Isaiah 2. Isaiah writes and says, Now it will come about in the last days. The mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains and will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. Some of you have study Bibles that point this last days statement to verse, in verse 1 as last days yet ahead of us. Further down the road from where we stand in time. And that's certainly a perspective. But from Isaiah's perspective, the last days actually were pointing to the last days of the Mosaic Covenant, the reality that Israel was living under at the time. The last days of the Mosaic Covenant are where God transitioned into the new covenant in Christ's blood. Again, Hebrews is a good helper. In Hebrews 8.13, it says the, uh, the writer says, when he said new covenant... He has made the old or the first obsolete, but whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. The last days of that covenant were there. The Mosaic covenant had its last days, and at the end of that age, and and the days of Jesus and the apostles were those days. The, The writer of Hebrews even starts his letter by saying, in these last days, literally at the end of these days, God has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. After the once-for-all sacrifice of his cross, the old covenant did disappear in its fullness when not one stone of the temple was left standing upon another in the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in A.D. 70. So the old covenant had last days, and it did come to an end. It disappeared, as Hebrews said. It was the shadow of... And Jesus Christ was what that shadow was pointing to, the substance. I want to show you one example of how to verify what I'm talking about. The Apostle Peter helps us a lot in Acts chapter 2, Peter's first sermon. You might remember at Pentecost when uh, the Holy Spirit of God filled the disciples and they started speaking in other languages, languages that they didn't know before. And the text says, Jews from every nation under heaven were living in Jerusalem in those days. And so you would imagine that uh, a lot of other languages were being spoken, languages that they were born into in the country that they grew up in. Um, so when the apostles were filled with the Spirit, some of the people heard them speaking in their own national language. But others didn't get what was going on. So they accused the disciples of being drunk. They said drunk with sweet wine. In Acts 2.13. 
ironically, the, the literal translation is drunk with new wine. Kind of in a sense, they were drunk with new wine, weren't they? The new wine of the kingdom of God. So the text says, uh, Peter raised his voice and he says, For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, for it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. That's what Peter says. This is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And what did Joel say? As Peter was quoting him from the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, he said, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will grant wonders in the sky above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord shall come. And it shall be that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a quote that Romans 10 draws from. Later in Acts, at his second sermon, Peter says, And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward, and that would include Isaiah, by the way, also announced these days. Daniel prophesied as well. When he spoke of Christ's coming kingdom, he said in Daniel 2.44, In the last days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. That's the kingdom that you are, as a born-again, blood-washed Christian, a member of, a citizen of. It's the kingdom of heaven will prevail. In Matthew 3, John the Baptist, Isaiah's... Isaiah's voice of the one crying in the wilderness. He cried out and said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's here. These last days of the Mosaic covenant were the days of the institution of the new covenant in Christ's blood. The old was ready to disappear because the new was here. Back to verse 2. Now it will come about that in the last days the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. And it will be raised above the hills and all the nations will stream to it. You can hear Daniel's prophecy again in this verse. The chief of the mountains, a kingdom that will crush all other kingdoms and endure forever. The mountain of the house of the Lord. Mount Zion. Who here remembers, if you studied your Bible, who remembers the two mountains from Hebrews 12? Anybody? Not even one. Oh, thank you. Man, I should give her a prize or something. What do we have? Do you want a mic? Uh, let's turn there. Hebrews 12. Remember... As you're turning there in Hebrews, it's after the cross. The temple's still standing there. The old covenant was becoming obsolete. It was ready to disappear, and it was in its last days. So the writer of Hebrews was exhorting those who identified with Christ, who trusted on the once-for-all sacrifice... And didn't run back to the temple and, and keep, start keeping the obsolete old covenant. So in chapter 12, he's contrasting the two. Essentially, uh, Hebrews has a lot of contrasting the old and the new. And uh, exhorting the people who were listening to cling to the new. Cling to Christ. He says in, in chapter 12... Um, Verse 18, he says, For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched. 
into a blazing fire, into darkness and gloom and whirlwind. Where's he getting those from? Sinai. You haven't come to a blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them for they could not bear the command. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight, the whirlwind and the darkness and the gloom that Moses said, I'm full of fear and trembling. You haven't come to the covenant made at Sinai. You've come to something new. Something prophesied from of old. Verse 22, he says, but you have come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who were enrolled in heaven. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Isn't that beautiful? The mountain of the house of the Lord, the the chief of the mountains, Mount Zion, the city of the living God, heavenly Jerusalem. In Galatians 4, Paul calls her the Jerusalem above, which is our mother. The Jerusalem based on promise. He says, you've come to the church. You've come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, Hebrews says. The old is passing away. Behold, he is making all things new. Old things have passed away, Paul, the redeemed Pharisee says. Behold, all things have become new. See that from Paul's perspective. A Pharisee. Back to verse 2 again. Isaiah says, all the nations will stream to it. The last days of the old covenant with one nation, Israel, would usher in a new covenant that would be a blessing to all the nations. Jew and Gentile now could be right with God through the blood of the Lamb of God. Not a lamb that you bring. The Lamb of God now. Remember God's promise to Abraham? He said, in you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I want to do a little two-second bonus teaching moment. As a side note, considering this discussion right now, listen to 1 John 2 with the things in your mind now. John says, He himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. I mean, to hear this today, okay? John was a Jew. And it's Jews and Gentiles now. The whole world. Not just one nation, but through the promise to that nation, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you see what I'm saying? All who repent and believe the gospel, not just Jewish people, but everywhere people can repent and believe the gospel and they will be saved. It's not just to Israel, it's to the whole world now. Not merely one nation, all the nations will now stream to Mount Zion to serve one king, the king above every king. Romans 4.13, similar, says, For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants that he would be heir of the world, all nations, was not through the law or the old covenant, but through the righteousness of faith, the new. 
The new covenant kingdom, the church, is the chief of the mountains raised above the hills, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Christ is on this kingdom's throne even this morning. Your purpose is on the way, by the way. Look back now at Isaiah 2 3. Isaiah prophesies ahead to this time. He says, And many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. By the way, who here would self identify as a hoarder? Okay, we got one over here. Oh, you, you again. We got two, three maybe, three hoarders in the room. Like the TV show? No? You know, like piles and piles of your treasures in trails throughout your house. The society we live here in North Idaho is a society modeled on citizens being involved in the leadership of our government, in our communities, in our organizations. School boards, library boards, soccer teams, they all function with volunteers and in in some cases paid elected officials, people leading, people making decisions. People setting policy. People interacting with the public and hiring and firing employees, approving budgets and passing resolutions. Potentially all of it without any influence of the law or the instruction of our great God. Devoid of the ways and paths of God. These points of service Guys in our community are in desperate need of Christians serving, of Christians running for office, and Christians setting policy that glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. All glory to Christ. Our passage says, The law will go forth from Zion, the word from Jerusalem. You are an ambassador of Jesus Christ. You're a citizen of the Jerusalem above. You're not an ambassador of some political party. You've been bought and paid for by the blood of Christ. You belong to him alone. You and I are his hands and feet and he is the head. We're not the head. Republicans and Democrats are not the head. Jesus Christ is head. And he must reign until all his enemies are made a footstool to his feet. Even unjust community policies, godless public promotion of sinful activities by publicly established community resources. You've been called to as a vital part of these processes. And we're not merely, I'm not merely talking about conservatism because we know that conservatism without Christ is bankrupt. What we're talking about is you and me having been immersed in the ministries of the word for years and years. So much so that our very personalities, our affections and values and decision-making processes are with, with the law of God on our hearts by the spirit of the living God and the word in our Bibles. You and I are equipped to bring the leaven of the word to bring life to a dead world. I wonder if we're hoarders. We pile up our treasure and make pathways through our house. Paul says in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where the river of the word goes, as you take it there, The kingdom grows. 
dead things come to life. Certainly that begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it continues in your policy votes, in your budgets, in your resolutions, and the way you coach hockey, even your demeanor as an ambassador of Christ in your NIC class. Your words and decisions and votes are seasoned with the salt of the instruction of Mount Zion. Seasoned with the instruction of the city of God. Our king has all authority, not only in heaven, but on this earth. And as king, he commissioned us to make disciples and teach them all that he commands. Revelation 1.5 says he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. And this supreme king will have his will done on earth just as it is in heaven. And you're commissioned to serve him to this end. I don't want to be a hoarder. I want the law to go forth from Zion. That's interesting. In verse 3, back in Isaiah chapter 2, look back there. There's a call from many peoples. It reminds me of Matthew 8, 11. Jesus says, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. People from Idaho and Nepal and Africa, all of us crying out, come, come, let us go up to the mountain of the house of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that we may, that he may teach us concerning his ways. Come with us. By his wisdom and by his knowledge, he's building a house for his holy name. And you and I are waving in the invitation as we spread the word all over Idaho. Like a river. And, our, and your participation in, in our community is one of the many on-ramps for this invitation. The law or instruction will go forth from Zion, from heavenly Jerusalem. Listen to the Spirit and the Son's bride make this invitation. In Revelation 22, Jesus, beginning right here, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the bride say, come. The one who hears, let the one who hears, come. Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cause. Can you hear that call? That's our call as we serve in our community as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. As we know, as the word spreads, the kingdom grows. Listen to Acts 6. The word of God kept on spreading... And the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. Please consider taking your heart and mind filled with the word and teach other concerning his ways and, and to walk in his paths. And as you run for public office and make decisions on boards and councils and volunteer to coach soccer, the, the word goes out from us. And God uses that to expand his kingdom. Finally, in verse 4, he will judge between the nations and will render decisions for many peoples and they will hammer their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up his sword against nation and never again will they learn war. Listen, guys, our king will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice on the earth. And the coastlands wait expectantly for his law, Isaiah says in 42.4. Isaiah looked forward in chapter 9 again to this child that was going to be born 2,000 years ago to us, but the government rested on his shoulders. He sits on his throne. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. People like you and I come from, uh, come to him, our, and, and when we come to him, our tools of war become implements of flourishing and blessing because he makes all things new. We're people of the way. 
kingdom of heaven is, is like a mustard seed. It starts tiny and it grows like crazy. The, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It starts small and insignificant, 12 guys even, and, and it grows to occupy everywhere. It will crush and put an end to all other kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Yahweh's mountain has been established as the head of the mountains, the chief of the mountains, and it's been lifted up above the hills. And our great God is building this amazing house for his great name. All to the glory of his son, Jesus Christ. Again, how is a house built? Solomon says, by wisdom, by knowledge. and We can see by the word of God spreading and expanding as his people, you and me, and all the other saints, spreading into every crack and crevice, every place darkness tries to hide. You and I, our job is to be infiltrating each part of our community as leaven infiltrates the whole lump of go, dough until the whole plant planet or excuse me the whole plane of people is filled with his goodness the law goes forth from zion the instruction of god proceeds from the place of god's blessing from us the the god's holy temple the church the word proceeds from zion it goes forth the instruction of god goes out Please be part of that process. Please do not be a hoarder. You know, this new covenant changed everything. In it, God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Today, as we've seen the playing out of Israel's eschatology as we peer beyond the cross, looking forward from Isaiah's perspective and taking away of the elementary principles of the old covenant and the destruction of the city and the temple, you and I walk along a new and living way. A way paved with the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of his cross, as trusters in the sufficiency of his sacrifice, regenerate by the work of the Spirit, you and I have been brought into the most holy place where the presence of God dwells. A place only before imagined in the hearts of his people. But now you and I have been brought right up to the mercy seat of the King of glory because we have peace with God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We stand firm and immovable in his grace. Through communion today. We remember this new covenant. Pastor Darrell. For communion this morning, we'll be serving that as we sing the power of the cross.
is that most of us come with soiled feet, don't we? We have this residual, annoying fleshliness that makes us hungry for his new morning mercies. Before we take the bread and the cup, let's bow our heads and confess our sin. Come to the table this morning having laid every last drop even today of our sin on him he gladly takes it away let's bow
Thank you, Father, for your grace in this glorious new covenant in Christ's blood, the everlasting covenant of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you that you made us members of your household. We pray, Lord, that our lives would proclaim the glories of your great name. In Christ's name, amen. The Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He says, for often as you drink this bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for this day. Just being in the same room with other saints washed by the blood is an encouragement and an edification to us. Even more so that your son's name is spoken. Further yet, that your word is read and preached Lord, we give the rest of this beautiful day to you and thank you for your mercy and your grace in Jesus' name.